podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Midweek Fix with the LFC Day Trippers. I'm your host, Keith Plunka, and tonight I'm joined by Grizz and I'm joined by Chris. And we'll hope to have Peter joining us soon. Uh, there just seems to be a, a connection issue over in sunny Catalonia this evening. Um, gentlemen, how are you? Grizz, how are you? I'm absolutely uh, fantastic. Absolutely good fantastic. Evening. Ready to go. Um, ready to talk about the magnificent Reds. Ready to talk about... Anything really, if you want to talk about the crappy United, I'm ready to do that. If you want to talk about lucky Chelsea, I'm totally ready to talk about that. Anything you want, good stuff. That's what I like to hear. And we may have no some of that. If if there's any skilled skilled children watching, they will talk about Man United's defending for the Denver Bago later on. Um, and Chris, what about yourself? How are you? All right, mate, living at large in lockdown heaven. How's <laughs> uh, bad up your way is it at the moment? Yeah, yeah. It's not great. It's not great in the northwest, to be honest. But you know, crack on as they say. Ah, yeah, it has to be done. It has to be done. Um, tonight, this is the midweek fix. We're just going to talk about all news LFC that's been sort of around um, in the last few days. And what we're going to look at now is um, or tonight we're going to talk about the game last night. Very interesting. A great performance by the Reds. Uh, I think everyone will agree there was some great things to talk about there. There was some some lovely... Uh, we, right, we'll talk about Jota. That's what we're going to get to. We'll talk about our squad depth. We'll talk about the... The the miss um the, the lack of praise that Liverpool are getting from all quarters really, you know, there's not much um credit being given, you know, for a, a squad that's it's been decimated, it's been depleted, and yet they still go on and they still do the business and they just get on with things. So we'll talk about that. And then at the end we're gonna have a good chat about the treatment of Mohamed Salah has been getting about the the diving and going to ground and all this sort of carry on that's been happening. That should be interesting. The lads on the forum spoke about it on Monday night and it was very good. And that's what I hope to get Peter in. Um, he was talking about that. I'm going to try and add him in now. Hold on one second. Peter, are you with us? I can see and hear you. Can you hear me? Can you see me? We can hear you. Oh, we can hear you. And now we can see you. Give us a We wave. can see you, but it's like a passport picture at the moment. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, oh it's there real. Is. Okay, it's moving. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. You pay the internet bill. How are you, P? How's things? <laughs> Not too bad, boys. Good to see you, Bracky. Good to see you, Grizz. And always good always, to see you, mate. Always pleasure. a pleasure, mate. My black pearl, Never always. There you go. There you go. Lads, the first thing I wanted to talk about tonight was the news that came out uh, today about uh, Mambu Sacco um, receiving an apology from WADA for his his suspension back in 2016, wasn't it? The tail end of the 2016 season, um, which caused them to miss the Europa League final and also the Euros, which were held in France, which quite a big deal and Saka Saka was come out and said it cost him his Liverpool career as well so I just want to get his opinions on that Grizz I'll come to you first do you feel well look twofold I suppose at the time how did you feel about this news and do you feel that a bit of sympathy for Saka in the way things have panned out yeah definitely most most definitely um, look first and foremost when you're wrongfully sort of accused or it turns out that the accusations were incorrect it's always it's always a massive shame. It's always, and especially for the, for the, for the player himself. I mean, at the time, <laughs> at the time, let's be honest, at the time, it's all about selfishness in terms of, fuck, Liverpool without the best centre-back we had at the time. And you think to yourself, man, how unlucky are we that we're going to miss Sacco for the, for the, for the, for the Europa League final. So, and then, and then you think, okay, no, it's really bad for the player himself. And you feel gutted for him as well. But look, at the time, I was gutted that we're gonna we're gonna be missing out on a, a sorry, we're gonna be uh, be without Saka for the Euro- Europa League final. So that was my thoughts at the time. Look, since then, the the news has come out today, and it's it's absolute gutting for the player himself. I'm so happy for him on a personal level that he's got sort of you know damages, compensation, whatever. But it doesn't take away the fact that you know. He missed out on the on the Euros. Was it the Euros you said for the French the national Euros, team? Yeah, twenty for the national team. You know, he was a he was a permanent in there at the time, I believe. Um well definitely a permanent in the squad anyway. Oh, and, I think he was uh, in the team, yeah. I think he was yeah. quite prominent in the team. Absolutely. The Absolutely. So, you know, it's gutting for the player because you can never get that sort of the Europa League final back in the tournament. Um so yeah, you know, gutted for him. I'm so happy for him on a personal level that he's got sort of some type of closure. Uh, but it doesn't take away the fact that you know two of his best sort of moments, possible moments in his career, were taken away from him. So it's, it's, it's sad from that aspect. And um, Pete, I'll come to you. What's your take on it? Do you again? Do you feel a bit of sympathy towards Sacco, or do you think that it's not that he didn't take something? It was. He was taking something he shouldn't have been taking, but it just wasn't on the band substance list. Is that how it, it, it was for yourself? Or what do you think? Yeah, so to me, I think Grizz sums it up very, very well. However, I often think that things like this follow um, certain types of characters. To be honest with you, uh, the, you know, trouble attracts trouble. It's the law of attraction, really. I think, I think Klopp probably had sized up Sacco even before the incident and it always seemed to me that he was looking for an excuse yeah it was the wrong time for us and I do agree with Chris it definitely costs us I think it costs us the, the game in, against Seville and um, we're one nil up at half time and all of a sudden you know you kind of we needed to see out the first 20 minutes of the second half and didn't cost him at a personal level I mean Sacco's career if you look at its career trajectory he starts, starts off at Paris he's highly rated there 
takes a chance, you know, gets a chance to come to Liverpool, you know, to make a forward step, which in his view is a positive step for his career. But I think Sacco's attitude, demeanour, certainly personal habits, haven't done him any favours. If you're a modern professional and things like that tend to happen to you, people tend to rally around you. And it doesn't matter. do have to be firm because he's he effectively speaking technically innocent, but... To be honest with you, I, I also believe in the law of attraction. It, that does just just things like that just don't top top pro. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah. And so there's an element of you know your your habits are brought it on yourself. You know. Yeah, and that is that's it. You know, it's it's something Chris will come to you. You know, the 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 notion, the idea that it cost him his Liverpool career is that something you buy into, or do you feel, as Pete said, that you know this wasn't a one-off with Sacco? There was other instances that maybe have happened that that left a lot to be desired, and ultimately he never probably had the character to make it under club at Liverpool. And anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't think it cost him. I think it was a factor. You can't say it's not. Uh, but when I mean, we had the incident, what was it? Um, he didn't get picked for the derby under Rogers. I think yeah. Colo Torre got picked ahead of him, and he walked and he walked out. Wouldn't yeah. you sit on the bench? You know, there's a looking back now that should have been a, a bit of an alarm bell of that's your that's your character, that's your mentality. If you don't pick me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off in a huff. Um, look, whatever he, he took wasn't wasn't illegal, so he shouldn't have been banned. Um, from what I read at the time, it was a supplement to help him lose weight. Yeah. Which the alarm bell says to me is, if you are a elite focused athlete, why do you need to take a fat pill to keep your weight down? Because if you're an elite focused athlete, you're living right, you're, you're working hard, you're, you're doing everything you should be doing. And then what didn't help him was he gets back he gets back from the, the band he shouldn't have had. Um, he's late, he's nearly late on the plane to America. He then misses a fitness session on, his, on an ankle injury. And then he starts titting about with Klopp. And the best thing it did for, for Klopp early on, and it did it perfectly for everyone, is Klopp's line was, I am the friend... I am not their best friend and we all thought oh he's lovely he's hugs and smiles you could tell in that interview when he smiled he goes one of us was late and one of us nearly missed the plane and one of us won't be doing that again I said it was smart and they laughed off on Liverpool TV and as soon as I saw that I thought he, he, he's gone he'll be gone yeah. quickly and you could see and he's gone and I think everyone now that lays the law down with Klopp which is everyone thinks he's you know quite cuddly you know he loves his players he's loyal to his players he has a line and I think I call it the no dickhead line and I think if you cross the dickhead line, he just goes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm done with you. That's done. And yeah. it's probably quite telling because no disrespect, he's gone to Crystal Palace. He's done well at Crystal Palace. No bigger club has come in for him. And it's not like they couldn't have afforded him from Crystal mm. Palace. No one's come near him. Which to me mm. says there's something in the football world where they go, he's not quite right for what we want. Because let's face it, ability-wise, he's got the ability to play at a high, higher level than Crystal Palace. He probably wasn't as good as we all thought or hoped he would be. But, you know, so I don't think it cost him his little career. I think it helped. I think it just hurried along his exit. Yeah, Avi puts a good point up there as well. That Sacco had numerous issues at PSG under Paul Aguin too. And, you know, it's. It, I think he was the captain of PSG at a very young age. And mm. that might have been, you know... Concerns about his character, I suppose. You know, but I feel a bit, a bit, I feel a bit duped um, in this conversation because um, you you asked me a totally different question, Keith. Well, it's, me, fluid, I, it's fluid. I knew that was coming. It is fluid, but because it makes out that I'm actually sort of <laughs> a Sacco fan, and I I thought that <sighs> you know you know it was that was the sort of incident that ruined his career. No, I agree very much. 
pretty much with what Pete and Chris have added. I just want to put out then, I was not a Sacco fan overall, uh, but I did, from a personal point of view, feel sorry for him. And he was rightly sort of, uh, so he was wrongly um, accused at the time and it's been proven right. So from a personal point of view, absolutely happy for him. But it was so not the defining moment in his career in terms of Liverpool career, I should say. I beg your pardon. Um, you know, everything that Chris and Pete, I'll, I'll, I'll double down on. Um, Klopp doesn't take dickheads. Klopp sees very early what he wants from his people in training. Um, and he values so much about training and attitude and all those things. And that's why he kept the likes of Lalana and, and Henderson and Lovren, who may not have been as talented as Sacco, Balotelli, etc., etc. But my God, they were far more professional than this fella who was by far more talented than, let's say, Lovren. But what he... What he sort of um, wanted the sort of the atmosphere and the climate around the club and the ch- and the kids, he didn't want Sacco about, and that was very very obvious. Yeah, and don't worry, Grizz, I was going to come back to you as well to give you more time to talk about oh, Sacco. We weren't going to move on, but um, Avi again, Avi's a man on the on the ground in Paris, and he said he and knew he was trouble at PSG too. And I remember when we signed him, we brought him in from PSG, and there was a fair bit of. Um, Hoo-ha about it. it was it was a big deal. He'd captain PSG, I think, at nineteen. But as as Avi is saying, you know, maybe they got it over the line. Why would you give up your captain? You know, a, a Parisian um local lad, a young guy comes in and, and captains the team. You don't give him up without a fight. I think we paid eighteen million or something for him at the time. And yeah, famously he was our marquee signing that, that year as well, wasn't he, according to Ian Air. But um yeah, it, it seemed like trouble just followed them around and it is an excellent point. You know, nobody's ever come in from, you know, why not? Why, why is he at Crystal Palace? Is it down, is that purely down to the fact that English clubs like Crystal Palace and we saw, you know, others of that level of that ilk don't need to sell these players and can pay. We see, for example, with Palace, they've given uh, Wilf Zaha a whopper contract and there's not many clubs in the world now that'll match the money that Zaha is on or what he's looking for is that a case with with um, Sacco as well Grizz do you think that he's probably n- nearly trapped himself there as in you know no Italian clubs and no sp- uh, French clubs are going to pay the money that he's probably earning at at Crystal Palace maybe that's maybe a factor but but then you have to sort of put in put into sort of and ask the question of of his own desire to play at a higher level uh you'd like to think that for example if an ac milan came in for you but offered you less wages why wouldn't you take that if you've got aspirations of being a big club at a higher level so you know all these factors you have to unfortunately you know look at and 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 it's another it's a bad look for Sacco. um look i i had never thought he was a world-class center-back even at liverpool um I thought he was the best what we had at the time, uh, but I, I never bought into the hype of what you know how Liverpool fans go overboard about him, and that he should be the captain and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. He was passionate about Liverpool. There's no doubt about that. But look, we moved on. We've moved on. He's moved on. Um, and and yeah, the, the proofs in the pudding that he didn't go on to bigger stage. You know, it's just a matter of fact. Very similar to to Lazar Markovic in terms of we thought so much of them and people said, oh, you know, a certain manager called Brendan Rodgers ruined his career. Well, you know, he may have ruined his career at Liverpool, let's just say for argument's sake, but then they've had five, six years since to make something of their careers and they haven't. So um, 
so either they're mentally weak that they were so scarred and they never recovered, which is an aspect of being a world-class footballer. You have to be mentally strong or they weren't as good as we thought they were. So take your pick. Very true, very true. Um, before we continue, um, if you can like the show, share, spread the word, do all that good stuff, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Um, as we keep saying, we, we don't like asking for likes. We... We do this do. because we enjoy doing Grizz does. And when the carnage starts, you'll be getting inundated with likes and all that sort of yeah. nonsense. So uh, we'll we, we give you the heads up Absolute now. 50 likes before starts. Absolute That's carnage. It. I'm not going to sit there in silence until I get 50 likes, mate. I want 50 likes before I even speak, opening my mouth. <laughs> Excellent okay. stuff. Excellent stuff. Um, so... That's enough, I think, about Sacco. Ultimately, you know, he, he was a player we had. He, he could have been, all before we, he could have been good. He could have been special, but he didn't really apply himself and never, um, never really done it for us, you know. Ultimately, before we move on, Avi's asked what top is Keith wearing. He loves a bit of cap. It's a Monaco training top, Avi, from it's, I think it's last season's. It's a, a smart, absolute quality, game. absolute quality. Yeah. Can't be a bit of Monaco, you know. So, uh, that's what I have on tonight. And there's Peter's back with us now. Um, so, lads, enough on Sacco. I want to move on. And we were playing a game last night and we had a win. Liverpool 5, Atalanta 0. Um, Chris, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to start with you on this. What did you make of the game? Were you surprised that we were so dominant? Were you worried going into it that Atalanta were a threat? Because I know some football men thought they would be. And, you know... Before they, a lot of people were saying, Oh, Atlanta will be the danger. Non Liverpool fans, Atlanta are a bogey team. And then Liverpool have sort of steamrolled them. And now it was like, Ah, they were never good. Like, what did you make of the, were you nervous beforehand and were you happy with the performance afterwards? Um, I would say nervous. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting a win last night. I was expecting hopefully a draw because with the City game coming up, I was expecting us to make quite a lot of changes. I thought it'd be mm. a bit more. You know, probably similar to the Ajax team. You know, you know the Joneses, the Milners, Genie and Hender doing fifty minutes each. Probably the, a brand new front three. That's what I was expecting. So I, I kind of had a bit of a low expectation of, look, we're going to do a bit of a mix and match side. You know, but hopefully we might get a draw. So when I saw the side, I think I tweeted when I saw it, which was, oh, we're going for the win then, because you, apart from Jones and Reese Williams, you're going. That's pretty much as strong as we can go. So you're like, oh, okay, so this will be interesting. So again, I thought, well, we might have got a chance of winning now, but we'll probably need to do it in the first hour you know, get a couple of goals up and hope for the best. But the start, I mean, that the way the front three played, I think I said last night, I said it, it, was, it was flashbacks to 17-18 Liverpool when we were just all out attack, all out movements. It was it was great to watch. And um, I was really pleased with the two young, young youngsters, uh, Jones, who's had a bit of stick recently. I thought that was a really mature performance, especially when he got an early yellow. You know, I was expecting him to get hooked at half-time, thinking protect, protect him on a yellow. But he saw the whole game out and never looked like getting a second yellow. And Reese Williams, again, probably wasn't as tested as you thought he would be, but he did everything simple that you wanted him to do. And, you know, very calm, very very, very relaxed. So it was just professional. I think the scary thing, if you look in Europe, is that's without Van Dijk, that's without Fabinho, that's without Thiago. And there's at least two or three gears to go up. Having not seen a lot of Antalanta, what I saw of him, I thought tactically it looked naive. As in, like, they'd never seen Liverpool play because I've never seen Salah be given so many times to run in behind because he doesn't do that in the Premier League anymore because no one does. No one no one gives Salah and Mane space to run in behind because you're just suicidal. So that's where I was a little bit surprised thinking, I'll say you change your, the way you play, but you don't leave a massive gap in behind because with, with Salah and Mane, you're asking for trouble. And just to, 
just looks like another Edwards uh, masterpiece again. He was uh, excellent, really exciting to watch. It really was. It was excellent. Peter, I'll come to you. Um, last night's game, Chris touched on an excellent point about Curtis Jones. You know, you get an early yellow card. I think Jeannie got booked as well around the same time. It sort of puts you, um, mm. puts you on a bit of a, a slippery slope for the rest of the game, but he handled the, the pressure very well, didn't he? Mm. Well, to be honest with you, I thought that was the one... The one error he made in the game, he kind of he dove in trying to recover. I didn't mind that much. To be honest with you, the genie's yellow card, and I said this to Grace today, we were having a chat about it uh, online, the genie's yellow card really impressed me. It was the one time that Alejandro Gomez had the chance to break on us, and he just, he actually grabbed a hold of him by the shoulder and just wouldn't let him go. It was just a smart yellow card. And it was, you know, Atalanta a strange team. They moved the ball so quickly. For an Italian side, they really—it's not stop, stop, go with them. It's go, go, go. I really think they fancied having a goal us and maybe trading blows and getting an early goal, and didn't change the plan. They don't seem to have a defensive midfield, a defense, a specialist defensive midfielder either. So you know, a lot, of, a lot of our viewers are making that point that they couldn't believe the space between, you know, basically in the holes that we could expose. And, you know, I have to agree with them. I didn't see a plan B, but I was very impressed by Jones. Like, exactly what you're saying, but more so impressed with Vinaldum taking responsibility for just not allowing them to, to break on us into play. It was a cynical Liverpool when we had to be for 10 minutes, maybe. And then it was just, you know, it was beautiful to watch. That 19 minutes was like watching 15 minutes of football. It was that good. Yeah. Um, oh, Chris, I'll come to you. It's it's the least, as Pete touched on there, the least Italian performance you'll ever see, isn't it? Like you, you play an Italian team and we've come up against them regularly over the last few years. It's always a grind, isn't it? It's always a tough slog. Even Roma, when we went over there after sort of beating them comfortably at Anfield, well, left ourselves a bit of a, a banana skin, I suppose. But it's never an easy game. And to see them so open, it just played into our hands, didn't it? And especially when you take out... Bobby out of the team and I'm going to come on to this in a while but when you take Bobby out of the team and you replace him with pace so your front line is even quicker than it usually is it was just a recipe for disaster wasn't it? Yeah I I tweeted yesterday that this will be nothing like a, a normal game against a Serie A team um, they believe in themselves like Pete says there's no plan B they haven't got a squad depth enough to have plan B and C and D, whatever. Do you know what I mean? He's got what he is. He's got. A, he's a fantastic coach. He's got a set of players, 13, 14, and they only know one way to play. Um, I compared them to Keegan's Newcastle. Um, you know, they scored 98 goals last yeah. season, lads. Um, can you... They only got 76. So. Can you can you sort of some can some people put some respect on yesterday's performance? I don't think enough credit is being given to Liverpool keeping a clean sheet against these people. Forget our attack. We know our attack can destroy any defense out there. That's not a surprise. So we don't want our attack to get bigged up, even though Jota is currently the best striker in the world for football, <laughs> right? But we don't we don't overly want praise for Jota. We want praise. We want recognition. We don't, but it's nice to have recognition to keep a clean sheet because we have no Virgil van Dijk. We have no Matip. We have no Fabinho. We have a 19-year-old at centre-back, Reese yeah. Williams. We're playing against a Serie A team that scored 98 goals. That's the seventh highest 
total a team scored ever. in Serie A history ever. Yeah. Think mm-hmm. about that. How many great, great attackers have played in Serie A? So these are not no gimmicks. These are not. We made them look amateur. We made them, you know, uh, look as 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 scrambled and rough as they looked. Um, we were superb, Keith. We were absolutely superb. Some people are saying it's comparable to uh, the Leicester away game, yeah, where we were stunning. Um, I don't know. It's difficult to compare. I, I'm not really interested in comparing. All I know is we were sensational. I'm like Chris. I thought we're gonna. I thought we're gonna pick a a mix and match team. And I wasn't really bothered, as I said to you guys in the WhatsApp, I said free hit for, as far as I'm concerned. But we we took them on. We played our strongest team and we've just basically bagged the group already. We can play with our slippers on in the last two games now, three games. Yeah, it is very true. We've placed ourselves very well, haven't we? That, um, you know, three wins from three. We now have a return game against Atalante. And, you know, you, you get a win in that, and that guarantees, I think, you, Atalanta can't catch it at that stage. So it, it's we're in a great position. The game itself, um, we... Avi pointed out that Atalanta were missing badly, missing Joseph Ilicic. And it's true, he is he was a key player for them. But they, they're the type of team that they just get another player in that'll perform. Now, Zapata last now, I know Zapata's their main striker, but he causes a lot of problems last night. We won 5 0, but it wasn't the case that where I'd see the comparison with Leicester being slightly different is that. Zapata had a decent game last night. Mm. Um, Allison made some great saves. Well, some save, one great save and a few routine saves. But mm. it wasn't like it was all one-way traffic. Whereas the the Leicester game was nearly like the Forest 5-0 from 89. <laughs> 89. And yeah. that was all literally yeah, yeah. one way. It was one-way traffic for the whole lot of that game. Whereas this one, this one wasn't. They, they did have a few chances. But at the back, uh, I was going to go to Chris there, but he's he's making himself beautiful there for a minute, so we give him a break. Um, Grizz, I'll come to you. Um, Reese Williams at the back. We went in last um, last week, and Nat Phillips started against West Ham and had a, a fantastic game. In all honesty, he was brilliant. And the the thoughts then he's by, he's not in the Champions League squad. Reese Williams was going to play. Were you worried about Reese Williams up against the front two of Zapata and Lewis Muriel? And how do you think he fared against them? All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Yeah, your first part of your question, I was worried. Uh, your second part, um, I think he was brilliant. I think he was so, so good. Um, there's absolutely no harm in, in getting, in getting sort of skilled, outskilled or bullied by a top striker that is a batter, uh, in a Champions League game away from home. There's no harm. There's no absolutely, it doesn't mean you're a bad defender. How you recover, how you, how you keep your composure after that is what I look for in a young player. And he kept playing the ball. He kept asking for the ball. Each layoff was immaculate precision. Um, I genuinely think we found a top 
top quality future centre back. And I'm and I and I'm saying this before everyone says, "Oh, this is very reactionary." I'm talking three, four years. Yeah. I'm not saying you know next year he's in the squad or even the year after. Three, four years. I mean, at the moment he's got you know legs like Twix, right? He's got to work on that aspect. But I tell you, this guy, he looks the business. You can tell his reading of the game. He's very quick. Even though he's very tall, he's very quick across the ground. We know about his aerial ability, his confidence, the way he was talking to Allison throughout the game. Not only Allison talking to him, he was talking to Allison, which I found brilliant. Trent, his communication was sound, his his awareness. Um, I thought he handled himself brilliantly. Yes, he didn't he did he didn't have an amazing lot to do, but what he'd done was very precise and immaculate. So it bodes well for the future, in my opinion. Very much so. Mm. Yeah. And Chris, um, keep sticking with Williams there and Phillips at the weekend. Does a bit of credit deserve deserve to go to Joe Gomez um, for, you know, marshalling the defence. I'll skip he on this one. Um, for marshalling the defence with two young lads. Well, I know um, Phillips is the same age as Gomez, but experience-wise, he's, he's, he's way off. Like, have you been impressed with Gomez? Yeah, have you been impressed with Gomez actually stepping in and and guiding these inexperienced players through at such a crucial position? You know, in in tough games. Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's done quite well. I think moving to the left has probably done in the world of good uh, because it's not his natural side. I think it's get, making him um, concentrate more because he's not on his natural side, and the fact he hasn't got Van Dijk, who's got it was he had three, four partners now in the last few couple of games. I think those two things are making him focus. He's not the most vocal. He's never going to be. That's why he has Allison behind. But I do think, you know, performance-wise, I think he's been pretty good since uh, since Van Dyke's been injured. You know, he has seemed to... He's not got quite back to the level he was at his mm. best. But, you know, the depth of the green shoots of um, improvement there. Look, what have I seen Joe Gomez play? Again, I thought, away at Atalanta, I think the only... Well, it's not even a mistake. Is he, he, did, he got skinned by their guy when he hit the, po- when he hit the post. Yeah. But, you know, to be fair, if one of our guys does that, we just go, what a, what a great piece of skill. Mm. But when it happens to Joe Gomez, it's, he's a shit defender. It's not, it, you, can't, you can't have it both ways. It's either it's a great skill or not. So, to me, that was the only time I thought he got done. Um, and what I was quite impressed with, were, is it Sabata? Um, mm. He came alive in the last half an hour. And he was going with him physically uh, quite a lot, which you know, it's not something we... we we know Gomez for, which is being touch tight and being quite over-physical. That's not really his game. But he did it with, you know, Zapata, who was a handful. And to be fair, he marched them quite well, I thought. So, yeah, no, I think I, Gomez has done pretty pretty well. I, I think, I think all the, he certainly can, yeah. but he's only 23. I think, Bracky, I think all the credit, to be honest with you, for Marston, the defence at the moment, needs to go to Robertson. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but I certainly have. Robertson has, since Van Dijk's injury, has curtailed his own attacking instincts. And is moving himself. I think Klopp has deliberately moved Gomez to the left to get him closer to Robertson because Alexander is busy. Trent is busy higher up the pitch, basically being our most attacking player. And I think, to be honest with you, Liverpool are moving around a little bit, and it seems to be Robertson that's almost anchoring uh, what and organising our back. So what I seen yesterday was. If you notice the difference, when Simicas came on, you know, people were talking about the amount of ball he was putting into the box and he was a lot more attacking. Because Robertson is spending an awful lot of time doing the basics, communicating and defending. Gomez is is, 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 is a development player. I mean, I'm not, I don't rag on him. I rag on him because he makes mistakes, like any young player. But the, for me, all of the credit for the organisation of the back four now needs to go to Robertson, in my opinion. 
I'm going to counter that. I I, that I disagree. I, I don't think mm. that's fair enough. Because you're too nice. Okay. You're too nice, Keith. And to say that's fair enough, because that's not fair enough. I'm going to take up Pete on that. I think it's an absolute absurdity to say it's just uh, Robertson. I think since the, the comeback of Alisson and the focus of Trent and Gomez, who you've got to remember, Trent and Gomez are still youngsters. The, the responsibility that they've taken on board and Klopp alluded to, it's a collective effort now. Robertson has always been that player, Pete. Robertson and VVD have always been those loud mouths in the corner, marshalling, marshalling, marshalling. Now Robertson hasn't got Virgil. Robertson is still doing what he can. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible for Robertson to be any more louder and talk more. Mm. But it's very possible for Trent and Gomez and even Alisson to be more vocal and more responsible. Mm. And they've done that, which is made up for mm. the loss of Virgil. So I think you're being slightly harsh on the others uh, when you say that it's only it's the main focus. Is, uh, the main reason is Robertson. You know, that's just my opinion. It's fair enough, yeah, no, but I think you know fair. it's he's certainly taken on do, do a, a more of a leadership to... role with Robertson. Maybe mm. go ahead, Chris. Oh, I just see. I just don't. I just not. I just well, not. Sorry, Brad. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Brad. You go ahead, mate. I think yeah, Chris is internet. I wonder with Robertson. The only thing I was saying with Robertson was I think he is staying deeper, but I don't think that's necessarily a tactical thing. I think because he was so good last year. I think teams have decided to double up on Robertson, thinking that's the threat, which is in turn freeing Trent up. But I was the reason I think he's gone to the left is because Fabinho's had to go into the back, uh, and he can't play centre back, but he's naturally right sided, and Reese Williams is naturally right sided, Matip is naturally right sided because they're going to be the three newbies. I think to put them back into defence and say, oh, but by the way, playing your weak side is too much to. I think Klopp has decided to give go with the responsibility mm. of. Well, you're in my head the senior defender, so you could fill in the left-sided role. Um, mm. That's why I'm giving a bit, of, uh, giving a bit more credit because I think he is developing to a centre-back left-hand side, which he hasn't had to. And the benefit is it's another string to his bow because quite a lot of the better left-sided players at centre-back tend to be right-footed. It just mm. seems to be the way at the moment. Sure. Mm. But yeah, I'll tell you one thing: Gomez having a, having a positive impact. Yeah, no, you're right. Gomez is. I mean, his crossfield past the Jata for the second goal was just sublime. I mean, Gomez does and is capable of superb things. Just superb things. You know, there's, there's there's absolutely no doubt about it. And I think, to add to the point, uh, Williams was conspicuous by the fact that he was barely mentioned. If you, if you notice the game, it just it was just seamless. You know, that's yeah. that's what I always look for in a centre-half. Is he being mentioned all the time by the commentary team? I know we were on the front foot for an awful lot of the game, but it's that comfort where you go, oh, God, yeah, maybe 70 minutes in. Jesus, Williams is has been quite assured because having not was the thing that he's done, it just hasn't been out of the ordinary. That's what I like about Williams. He just slots in, does what he's supposed to do. As Grizz says, he's finding feet with every pass that he can and he just seems to, you know, be neat and tidy and do the right thing. Yeah. It's, it, it you know, there's been a lot of players have yeah. had to step up and I, I agree with saying, you know, maybe a collective um, defensive and goalkeeper, you know, have stepped up to uh, to to help whoever is going in in centre half, whether it's one of the younger lads or whatever, you know they've all done their bit. But I'm going to move away from the defence, um, and I'm going to skip the midfield for a minute. I want to talk about the front three, right? So we people have been shouting for Bobby Firmino to be dropped. Um, I've been quite vocal in the fact that I think Bobby's very important to the team, to the system, to the squad. 
But I'm also not um, naive enough to say he can't be replaced um, for games, certainly. And Jota stepped in and he was amazing with the lads. And Grizz, I'm going to come back to you on this. What did you make of Jota's performance, of his goals? And who did it remind you of? I see Avi, Avi had a comparison with Michael Lone earlier. Is that prime Michael Lone sort of performance or was there anyone else that you might have seen in that? It's not a bad shout from Avi, but... Um... Me and Shawnee were having a debate last night on the match reaction show where, where Shawnee said um, uh, he reminded him of, of uh, Carlos Tevez, um, mm. which I thought was reasonable, but I think I smashed him out of the ballpark when I said, <laughs> um, when I said Fernando Torres. Yeah, and and he, the reason why I went for Fernando Torres uh, over Tevez was his strength at holding up the ball, which was not seen before as far as I'm concerned anyway he has immense strength we know by now he's electric we know he's got an eye for goal from his time at Wolves we know he's tricky he likes running at players but we saw some strength yesterday Um, we now in my opinion have one of the strongest quickest front three if when Jota plays in world football the strength is so underrated Keith, honestly, lads, the strength is so underrated. When you see him, he's, he's not the tallest. He's very diminutive, and you expect him to be quick. and His and his acceleration is second to none. And we must have looked at this very closely to see what kind of striker we're getting in terms of and in, in in, in put him into the system. But um, his strength really impressed me. I thought he was fantastic, Keith. I thought he gave us um, exactly what we needed. In terms of against Atalanta, I think his selection was genius by Klopp. Um, our scouts must have watched them so many times and know that they play on the halfway line and know that's the only way they know how to defend. And so why not throw him in there? The runs he made, oh gosh, those centre-backs are still feeling it. Um, I'm in their WhatsApp group, they don't know. Um, they're still talking about our strikers. My God, they've had sleepless night. And long may it continue, this guy is going to be an absolute terror. He's going to be an absolute baller for us. We've we've said it before, he's going to be the next £100 million player for us. Um, not that, you know, we're looking to sell him. What I mean by that is value. His value is going to triple in the next two years. And uh, that's what you get for brilliant recruitment. Yeah, it is excellent recruitment. And um, Peter, I'll come to you. With, it's Pep Linders, I think, that, you know, flagged him from an early age. I think he might have had him in Portugal or he came across him in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is another example of the right player for their system. Now, a lot of people were making out that we missed the boat with Timo Werner. And Timo Werner scored two, I think, tonight for Chelsea and he scored penalties, a few penalties. Yeah, he's and he scored a few penalties all right for them. People were saying Werner, 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 he's the perfect player. I put my hand up, I thought Werner would have been the one for their system as well. And I never considered Jota, but it just goes to show, you know, these scouts know what they're doing, don't they? And he just so perfect for what we want. Yeah, yeah, I had a couple of conversations way back um with people that watch a lot of German football. Um there's a fella that follows us actually now uh, out in Germany, an Irish fella, Ronan. Swear I'm not Paul is his Twitter account. He's a good lad. But we were having a discussion about the way Timo Werner plays. And Germany tried to play him through the middle. Didn't work. You know, he's for me, he's he's a, he's just a... It's a, it's a stupid... It probably sounds awful, but for me, he's a wide player who likes to come inside the odd time. Whereas Jota reminds me 
a little bit. Do you remember when Pedro was playing for Barcelona? Yeah. He couldn't get a start, but whenever he'd come in, he would just absolutely destroy people. And he was Excellent. perfect for that interchange. You know, makes you makes you mobile, makes you makes you makes the front three really click, really move, gives you pace. When is a threat out wide and can play through the middle and can link it up in deeper positions. The thing that impresses me most about Jota is he can pick the ball up in halfway nine, which is very rare, even for a Liverpool set uh, forward player. Pick it up and does the right thing with it. You know, takes it in. There might be a player on his back, but he seems to skip away from whoever's trying to mark him with absolute ease and use the ball. So, yeah, I think there's touches of when Pedro was you know, very unlucky not to start for Barcelona, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I mean, the worry I have about everybody calling for him to start against Manchester City is it kind of, I mean, people talk, talk about him being a pressing machine, but is he really going to press intelligently as, as intelligently as Roberto Firmino? I think we just need to take a step back, be realistic about the, the challenge that we're facing right now and not get sucked into making this a ding-dong against a team that can pretty much open up anybody. We want to keep Manchester City pinned, you know, under pressure in their own half. There's many, many thoughts about it, but I just, I, I would prefer, I, I can see Klopp going with Firmino against Manchester City, but my God, Jota has really come in and made us, as, as Riz says, um, has made us it's it's a real headache now. who plays and where you know it is and Pete to be honest it's an, I think that's an excellent comparison with Pedro I think that's um, a brilliant shout there because he is he's a similar player he's going to be an impact player Pedro was always a player that was never cemented in the front three but would have runs in there and people would be saying why is he not playing every game you know it's, it's a great shout mm. and um Noel Tracy says Jota is a mix of Maxi and Fowler and I think that's a good shout as well I think it's um, very yeah Maxi is, is not bad I suppose coming from that left hand side better finisher than Pedro though I, I, I totally understand the movement aspect yeah, yeah. I totally understand the runs from deep aspect and across the line I get all that but, it, but Pedro was very wasteful Pedro was brilliantly two footed as well. Um, Jota, mm. I have yet to see his left foot yet. Am I right? We've seen bits. No, I think he's he's, he's decent. I think he's yeah, he's decent. Yeah, he's decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he's a better. I think he's more cold blooded than Pedro. Pedro yeah, he's was always cool. cool. It, yeah, if Pedro you're not was more if, of a yeah. winger, I'd say. Yeah, Pedro. If you're, Pedro if you're not was very the way, intelligent. Yeah, the way Jota finishes, he's he he's one of those players that can go from pace to calm. I mean, I noticed with Werner, Werner is very, very quick. But when it comes time to slamming on the brakes, he tends to not and put his foot through the back of the ball and just hope for the best. Now, that'll work against, you know, um, Hansa Rostock and Eintracht Frankfurt and Borussia Mönchengladbach. But will it work against Manchester City, Manchester United, you know, and, and the top, top teams? I don't know. I just, I think this Jota is, as Rui says, cold-blooded, but can operate at a frantic pace. I mean, Mane operates at a frantic pace. Salah, frantic pace. But when it comes time to slowing things down and saying, OK, what do I do now? He, Jota seems to be up to speed with that type. And I think the three of them together, certainly against teams that are not going to be at the races against us, might be onto something. Against the big sides, when we really need to shake things down, I'd probably expect to see Firmino. But against teams that we want to just out and out destroy you'll probably see the three little lads causing that. Yeah. I mean, Barry Devon, you put in there, he read a stat that Jota has 
nearly scored equal goals with both left and right feet. It's very interesting. And another thing that I've noticed, how many goals has he scored for us since he's come in? Seven or so. Five, I think, or six. Was it? Six, or, six or seven? He's also seven. had a couple disallowed, I know, in the, seven in the Arsenal nine. game. Yeah, but in the Arsenal game, seven he had nine. one disallowed, didn't he, for a handball, and he scored straight after. There's been games that he's had goals disallowed, and he doesn't doesn't seem to get to him. You know, he's, he's very... Um, clinical so far and hopefully it stays that way but there is a question for Sunday Sunday is it or yeah Sunday, Sunday. there is a question for who starts in that one and I'm going to ask you all um, Chris I'll come to you first do you think he starts against Man City or do you think Klopp goes with Bobby or will he go for four of them or what way do you think it plays out uh, I think he gives Bobby one more game and I think he's going to use Jot as an impact sub I think because it's the big game of the season, I think he's going to go with who he knows, who he trusts. And I'll record at City's not the best. So the benefit of hoping is for Bobby, it's not. It's like a little bit of an impetus for him going, you now have real competition. You've not had real competition now for two years. You've got it now. And, you know, see how he reacts to it. But it, to me, if it's not going well against City, if you, the site now bringing Jotter on, Mm-hmm. Get you excited thinking, well, whoever he takes off, that's an exciting person to bring on. Yeah. Whereas, no disrespect, when we bring in a on, you kind of went, well, he'll play on the left, he'll, ru- he'll run channels, he'll try and win his corners. Um, that's how that's how I'd see it. Whereas with Jossie, you just, you just go, right, okay, this is not going to get any. Can you imagine City's faces? That would be like the third gear 809 side where you think you've got them, you've got the, and then they bring on Carlos Seves and Burbsoff, and you went, oh, God, no. I think that's what yeah. we're starting to get now with our attacking options is when they see what's coming on, they're like, oh, no. So I think Bob mm. gets definitely gets this game. It would surprise me perhaps after the City game if he is kept out for a couple of weeks. Because um, to me, the thing with Bobby is I think mentally I think he's I think he's a bit wiped out. But he's, he's had no break in three years, so yeah. it's not surprising. You know, all players go through dips, and after the national break, maybe that might be the time to give Bobby a little bit of a rest, um, which will recharge the batteries, and then when he's back when he's back to normal. You know, great. It's more even more competition. Yeah, P. It's very interesting, isn't it? What's more likely? You know, you bring on Jota if you need a goal to get you the goal, or you bring on Bobby if you need a goal to get you a goal. You know, that might come into the thing, and will yeah. it? For- no, let's not get carried away here. I mean, Manchester City are not Atalanta. They're not going to. They're not going to empty out midfield the way Atalanta did. You know, there's in my mind, there's no way Bobby doesn't start. You know, Klopp will be completely aware that Manchester's midfield for example is a completely different proposition and we're going to need that extra man press that Bobby gives us no doubt in my mind Bobby starts tactically Um, as far as goals are concerned yeah if we need something towards the end when things are starting to to get uh, interesting shall we say young Jota comes on but for me you know this is this is positional stuff this is the Premier League this is Manchester City this is a very powerful midfield you know, this is Kevin De Bruyne if he's fit, moving fellas around. Bobby Firmino starts and hopefully does well. Yeah. And Grizz, what about yourself? How do you see it playing out? Um, how I see it, I'm gonna go with 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 Peter's uh, assessment that probably Bobby's gonna start. How I see things, I see things if I, sorry, if I had the choice, I would go for the kill and play Jota. You just don't leave a player that's probably at the peak of his powers right now out of a game against City who have been troubled and if we analyse the games that they've been troubled against a la Leeds 
a la Leicester, it's been pace up front through the centre, not the flanks. Carl Walker's an awful defender, in my opinion. But what he's got is sensational pace. In that centre of the defence, though, they've got Laporte and Ruben Diaz, two very able centre-backs in the year. They'll go up against Bobby all day long, hustle him, harry him, chase him. They'll push up right along the halfway line against Bobby, but they wouldn't dare do that against our front three if Jota played. Pep has sleepless nights over our front three from two seasons, from three seasons, you know, last two, three seasons. He must have watched that and thought, fuck me, they've got another one now. And that's what we got to play on because we got to step on their throat, so to speak, while we got the chance. And I genuinely believe if we go there with a the positive mindset of getting three points, they will not come back from that defeat. I'm telling you guys now, if we go and win at City and really go for the juggler, because we have gone to City in the past and tried to control proceedings or try to control their game, I think we're at a point and, and in, in the form to go there and really play our game. Very much like the Champions League second leg, where we smashed them 3-0. And then we went there with a positive mindset and they were very vulnerable that night. And, and I feel they will be very vulnerable on Sunday as well. I think Bobby makes sense in terms of, I, I get all the arguments about Bobby harassing their midfield and, and, the, and disrupting their center. But if we got Genie and Hendo playing like they are, I think that's enough. And with Thiago coming in, because that's crucial. Because if Thiago, like I think he will, comes back in, then our front three could have a field day against their, their back line. And they dare not play. You see, their game, City's game is based on playing on the halfway line and controlling it from there. If they have to retreat and the gap between the front, the midfield, and the, and, and the back line is sort of spaced out, that's where we come involved. Because one-on-one, -on -one, we can beat every single one of their players. Bar... Carl Walker, who's as quick as anything. Mm. That's yeah, where I would, that, that's where I would sort of look to play. Mm. Uh, how I would, how I would look to play. It's brave. It's brave. It's brave. But it's a time I to be. Yeah. If we're not going to be brave, brave now, this moment, just before the break, go for the kill. Look, there is absolutely no harm in losing at City. It's no, it's, there's no disaster there, right? Yeah. But the gains, what we can achieve if we get three points, the positive mindset, the mentality, how they will feel being, what, eight points behind us. You, you cannot let that opportunity go, in my opinion, at this stage. Mm. Go for that kill. Mm. I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but you, we don't, you don't want to go and lose when you don't have to lose. If you empty out that midfield, or rather, you know, you're, you're kind of saying to yourself, we do or die. At this stage of the season, we're not in a position we don't have to. We're, we're top of the league. Jota presses. Pete Jota presses. He does. Not as intelligently as Bobby. I, I, absolutely. And that's Bobby the problem I have. Not, that's the Bobby. problem I have. Bobsy's, but but then you've got to remember Thiago, Gini and Hendo's not quite emptying mm. out a midfield, man. Mm. I mean, that's, yeah, true. that's you know. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I just I just don't think Klopp will fall into the trap 
yeah. of he gives me more goals because yeah. he hasn't hasn't fallen. If if that was an argument, Bobby would have been sold six months ago. He gives me more no. goals. Like for example, of yeah. the I point agree. I made, point that point I made two, uh, two weeks ago is it's the reason I think Aubameyang wasn't bought because we Aubameyang wanted to go and play for Klopp. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But Klopp thought, thought to himself, I don't need goals in that position. I need goals here and I need goals here. And you know, a couple of lads can can chip in with goals behind what Firmino's doing. But what Firmino's doing. You know, it's it's just it's pure creation. It's moving fellas around. It's causing real, real problems. You know, no, and, and since man, since 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 uh, has played for Manchester City, they haven't really been able to deal. Now I know the the French kid can deal with it that was injured last year, but they haven't really been able to deal with Firmino's movement. Bar the four 0 when everybody was on the piss when we won the league, but in games that matter. I can't see him changing it drastically. And leaving Bobby Firmino out of a big game is a drastic change, technically. It's it's one that, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Klopp I plays. If we were in City's position. Go ahead, Chris, yeah. So, so it, it, I think if we were in City's position, like chasing, I think he'd go for Jota more. I don't th- we don't have to win. Uh, so that's why I, I think he'll stick with Firmino. I think it was rules reverse. Uh, we were chasing City. I think he'd definitely go for Jossica. I think he has to take the risk. Uh, I don't think he needs to take, not take the risk, but I don't think he has to be as offensive. Uh, and he, I think he'll, if he's Thiago and Firmino fit, a clever movement, clever passes, is probably what trying to pick City off. Not saying that'll happen, mm. but that's what he'll try and do. Shani makes mm. a point that Bobby hasn't been giving us uh, much of that of late, but I've and he's right. my tuppence on this is, you know, you you start Bobby and you just tell him to just chip away at Laporte and Diaz and you just grind them, grind them, grind them and then you bring on Jota to run the bollocks out of them and you hope mm. to get in that way. And I agree with, uh, I think it was Grizz said this about it being psychological. You know, we win this game and forget about putting the, the points between us and City. What it does, and it's something we've mentioned before, is, you know, Liverpool will go in there and assuming we win now, look, this is all you know. Great if we win. Mm. We're doing this when losing our key player. We're doing this with playing, you know, square pegs and round holes, and you know, putting young lads in inexperienced. And we're just getting on. And it's a huge criticism we've had of Man City. So I think you know a lot of people have said it when they lost Laporte last season. It was excuse after excuse after excuse that they were missing Laporte, missing Laporte. I think Liverpool can win them. It psychologically sends out a message that. Wolf are real and then they'll just their heads will go I think their heads will go if they can't get a win against us and I think it's a huge marker and for that reason I think Bobby will start and I think Jota will come on and it could be like you know 60 minutes to 55 early enough but I think he'd make that change he'll tell Bobby to run the, run the balls out of himself and then bring on Jota but look we'll wait and see we'll wait and see something I want to touch on quickly lads before we move on to our final um final topic really it's the underappreciation of of this squad in the mainstream media and by Liverpool fans as well. Grizz, what do you make of it? Do you think, we'll do this very quickly, do you think Liverpool are getting the credit and respect they deserve at the moment? No, no, but I don't care. And neither does Klopp <laughs> at this stage. Honestly, um, I couldn't give it bollocks or a G, as you would say. Or you, or you guys, yeah. Do you say G or G in Dublin, in Ireland? G, is it's a it terrible G? word, it's a terrible word. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Don't right. be teaching them how to use those words. <laughs> it's, it's it's past it's past eleven o'clock now, Keith. That's right. Yeah. Life not fella. Um, <laughs> but but 
Um, honestly, it doesn't matter to me, and it doesn't matter to our, our our coach, which is the main thing. And whatever they're saying or however they're disrespecting us, he's using it against them and for the benefit of the team. And Ferguson done it, you know, Mourinho done it, um, and Klopp's doing it. It's what the great managers do. It's what the great coaches do. Um, the siege mentality. Let them disrespect us. Look, most of it is it's it's. Most of it is clickbait. It's just literally to sort of make them feel more secure. They're, it's, it's, it's a sign of insecurity from everyone. They're absolutely shitting bricks at how we're coming through every adversity. Everything that's thrown us, we're coming through it all with flying colours, still on top of our leagues, Champions League table, still on top of the Premier League. And as we've talked about, we've got, we've got four or five Major. We're not talking squad fillers. We're talking Fabinho, Thiago, Matip, Virgil. We're talking first teamers. You know, not even sort of in the in the team in the squad. So look, I, I don't really care about what how people perceive us. I may have the odd banter on Twitter about it, but really, genuinely, I couldn't give a G G D F anything. Good man, Grace. Good man. Chris, what about yourself? Do you feel we're being underappreciated and do you give a shit about it? Um, I don't give a shit about it really, no. Uh, I do think we are because uh, it seems to be uh, we're the only club that can't mention we've got injuries because if we do, it's an excuse. Whereas the defending champions from last season, that's all they talked about. But I quite like the fact that Klopp is, whenever he said, that's another injury, what are you going to do? His response generally is, well, I'll find somebody else. There'll be somebody else in the squad who gets an opportunity. And what we have seen with, with the squad at the moment is Nat Phillips, Reese Jones, Curtis Jones, they all come in and play the way the, you know, the battle doesn't change, which to be fair is testament to the squad and testament to how they're coached. Because whoever comes in, they put a shift in. I mean, I've never seen Jordan Zakiri play centre mid so much in all my life. And to be fair to him, he's slotted him pretty well. So I don't care. I quite like the fact that people underrate you uh, because it's, it's, it makes it all the sweeter when you actually. Uh, Surprise everyone. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, and Pete, I'm not even going to give you this question because I'm going to move on to our final topic because we're hitting the hour mark now. But before we do, um, if, if there's 385 people watching, we've 129 likes. If you're watching what we do and you enjoy what we do, just hit the like button. We appreciate it. Subscribe. As Gav has been saying recently and Sean, you said, if you subscribe to this channel, you won't unsubscribe because the content we put out, we try our best and we feel that it's, it's pretty good chat. It's not, um, it's no fluff. You know, we'll say things. We won't always agree with each other. The, the chat room won't always agree with what we say. People listening won't always agree with what we say, but we're just here to give our opinions. But we feel that we're, we're doing, putting out some excellent content. And tomorrow is going to have the new carnage with Grizz. Uh, show which will be excellent. Oh, I can't wait well for that. I cannot wait for that. Well, <laughs> worth getting subscribed for for that one. So if you haven't subscribed already, get on it. Um, but we're going to talk about Peter. You were on the forum the other night and you spoke about Mohamed Salah's treatment in the media about penalties and how it's yeah. it does the narrative. And I want to talk about that. It was an excellent chat you had the other night, and it's something I just want to talk about for a few minutes if you don't mind. Um, and I'll start with you, Pete, on this one. So. You spoke to the night um, about the the Salah penalties with uh, Danny Murphy, Alan Shearer, Gary Lineker. You know the Tony Cascarino article had come out, and you touched on the fact that Tony Evans said that was maybe an editor that had given that headline and may not have been Cascarino's words. Gart Crooks then came out and 
came out with some absolute unbelievable nonsense as well in his team of the week. Um, mm. Put Jordan Henderson in and spoke about Mohamed Salah diving as well. It's it's wrong, isn't it? And it's bad. And there's no way of there's no other way of putting it. it it's not right. It leaves a bad taste the way it's going. Well, first of all, let me point to the fact, and this is going. I'm going off on a tangent here. Grizz, we, Grizz is going to have his own show, right? Now, Grizz comes from an Asian background. In England, that would be a big deal. It would. No, this is a big platform. You know, Grizz is is very well known. Nobody thought twice in this production company to give Grizz a show regardless of his race it wasn't even a conversation it was because of the quality that grace brings to this production now you go to the uk you go to the mainstream media in the uk and i want to i'm going i'm lining this up sometimes people are xenophobic and they don't even pardon my language because this is something i feel very strongly about they don't even realize they're xenophobic and racist gary lineker opened his mouth the other day twice and the two times he opened his mouth first of all was to say how clever and intelligent Harry Kane was in using his body. How Sorry, three times, how clever and intelligent Callum Wilson was in using his body. And the third time was to tell us how Mohamed Salah needs to stop his cheating because it's ruining the game that the English public love. Now, I'm sure Gary Lineker, because Gary Lineker wants to invite every refugee that needs a house over his head to his home, I'm sure Gary Lineker doesn't think he's a xenophobe or even, shall I say, a borderline racist. But let me tell you, Gary Lineker, Tony Cascarino, anybody else that made a a comment, two comments, one based on an English player being intelligent and two based on a foreign player, non-English, being a cheat and one was, you know, and I know Tony tried to clear it up, is is xenophobic. And what's worse about Gareth Crow... Oh, no. No, 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 no. He come back to us, Pete. No, no, no. Because this was this was good stuff. Well, Scott Crooks should know better. Good stuff. Yeah, we just no, lost you there for a second, no, Pete. Okay. Go back to Gar Crooks again. Well, Gar, 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 Crooks, Gar Crooks has hosted shows for the BBC about Brendan Batts and Laurie, Laurie Cunningham and Sir Regis and how important their, their heritage is to the, to the British national game. Now, let me tell you what's wrong with for people like Gareth Crooks. Gareth Crooks is a company man and a public school boy for the BBC and he's a poster boy for their xenophobia. And it's a huge problem, a huge problem. Ryan Giggs was arrested 48 hours ago, arrested for beating a woman so hard that she posted half her face. She's like Two-Face from Batman. She's absolutely knackered. I don't see any of these people making any form of comment against what they perceive. Now, even though, ironically, Ryan Giggs has uh, black heritage uh, and foreign heritage, I don't see anybody saying anything. It's a little club of people that can be criticised. Let me tell you something. If that was Mohamed Salah, or if that was Jeannie Wijnaldum, or if that was Jared and Shikini, anyone that's not English and not part of the little we can't touch them click, let me tell you, that would be all over the place. It's all they'd be talking about. The British mainstream media is xenophobic to its core. Even people that don't believe. Tony Evans tweeted me directly and told me, Peter, now this is how you know you're hitting up. Tony is not, he's, he actually supports Liverpool. Uh, he is not, that he was, his, his editor stitched him up. I don't care. Grizz will back me up on this. If you're a con- contributor to a show or to a newspaper publication, your editor will call you and tell you, look, Peter, this is the headline. What the hell do you feel about it? Tony Cascarino gave the okay for that. So Tony Cascarino was part of the problem. And the problem is extreme xenophobia. I don't have any personal problem with Harry Kane. I don't have a problem with any English player 
What I have a problem with is the media's perception of cheating must be balanced and fair in the way it's reported. That's the problem I have with the British mainstream media. I don't care if you think Mohamed Salah cheated. I don't care if you think Harry Kane cheated. What I care about is how it's reported. It must both incidents must be reported in the same way or it's nothing short of xenophobia. As I said about racism, Grizz will back me up with this. People don't even realize that they're racist. People don't even realize that they're xenophobic. People don't realize that they're prejudiced. I have prejudices. I have prejudices. Black people are, are as racist as anybody. Grizzle tell Indian people are as racist. We all have a bit of it. The problem is you have a responsibility when you work for a public broadcaster to put aside any isms or any prejudices that you have and report on a sport in a fair and balanced way. And these people are failing to do that. And they need to be all... If they're not doing that, they need to be taken off the air. Gary Lineker is an absolute disgrace, a disgrace. And to come on live on, on, on television and tell everybody who wants to take in refugee, maybe those refugees don't want to live with you, Gary. I'll tell you what people, what refugees want. They want the opportunity to work in a country, to earn their own money so they can buy their own fucking house. Nobody wants to live with you, Gary Lineker. Nobody wants your charity. This British colonialism, I'm sorry, Bracky, I know that you're English, but this this colonial, I, I will make your life better. Fuck off. We can make our own life better. What we want is we want to arrive in your country if it's better than the country that we've come from, and we want a chance to use our own talent the way Grizz has. Grizz has used his talent, and now he's going to have his own show. Nobody gave that to Grizz. Gary Lineker didn't say, hey, Grizz, you know, I'm going to break you off some. You're going to have your own show. Grizz's hard work, his, his walk down the years and building up his contacts have built that for him. No, we don't, people that are not from the UK are not asking for your a room in your house. What they're asking for is to be spoken about and judged off their talents and off what they contribute to the media or to anyone. Or to, and in this case, the football. Do you know what? I, I'll, t- I'll stop at this. Mohamed Salah, for me, comes out with a smell in the rose, and I'll tell you why. Mohamed Salah has said nothing, nothing. The things that have been said about Mohamed Salah. Now, Harry Kane made a statement yesterday, turned around and said he made another excuse about what he did and didn't do. Mohamed Salah said nothing. Do you know what that is, Keith? That's dignity. Mohamed Salah knows that he doesn't have to dignify this crap by adding his voice to it. Harry Kane is insecure about Harry Kane has made it back four or five times. For centre-halves, he's going to break someone's arm, shoulder or neck with that tactic. Any of the Brits pull him out on it? No, they're not. They're just defending him, saying that he's clever in what he's doing. Mohamed Salah is getting kicked. It's getting kicked. And quite rightly, he's going down. But he's not. He's, he's, he, he's not. My point is, the man has more dignity than any of these commentators have. And, and that's, to be honest with you, it winds me up to the noise. You don't have to. You don't have to even know that you're racist or that you're xenophobic. It's not even individuals. It's the system. It's the channels. The mainstream media. It's geared towards. Let's defend our little England, our little, our little Britain, and any foreigners coming in trying to corrupt our game. Let's call them out. Then we can talk about cheat. Makes me sick. Very passionate stuff there, P. I knew it would be. I'd expect nothing less from you. And very well put. In fairness, um, Grace, I'm going to come to you now, Grace, because. It, it's very, very interesting there what um what Pete was touching on. And we won't we won't spend too much time on that because I think Pete summed her up very well there. But something that I find very interesting is we never get a media narrative about the penalties Mohamed Salah doesn't get, but we get days and days about going down with, with contact. 
it's it's not right. It's not fair. Do you think Salah gets a hard deal by the media compared to other players? And not just other players. Something I'm going to touch on is, you know, that does black players get... Raheem Sterling gets an awful time in the media. Um, but generally, he gets excused because he's English. Is it a xenophobic thing? Is it a racist thing? Is it an anti-Islamophobic thing? What do you think it comes down to with Mohamed Salah? It's a it's a touchy, sensitive subject, and it and is. sometimes and sometimes some some subjects you have to get serious about. Um, everyone knows I'm a jokey kind of guy. I, I you know I give out as much as I can take, and and certain things are very personal. Certain things are very close to me. Um, the issues that Peter's raised have been absolutely spot on, and the 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 worrying aspect is very difficult to prove someone is racist. You can't do that because it's a personal thing, but it's the subconscious uh, inside us that we don't even know what we're saying sometimes and what we, how we, how we come across when we say things. Yeah. And how we treat, and it's the comparison. And then when you look it up and when you compare it to how, so the the two players that you mentioned, Sterling and Salah are treated to for argument's sake, a Harry Kane, you know, um, and even a Lineker in the past or whatever, you know, all these, even a Tony's Cascarina in their day, you know, it's, it's Alan Shearer, you know, sitting there all smug, knowing the game, knowing how they do, how they operated. It is worrying and it, it's, it saddens, but I think it's good that it's in the media eye now and people are making an issue of it and people should be making an issue of it. The only way you, you'll never get rid of this, but you can sort of lessen it and control it and make people aware of it. That's all we can do. When I say we, I mean just even part of fan media. I'm talking about main media. I'm talking about every aspect of society. The more you make aware of people, uh, the more you make aware of people of the situation and the, and the subconscious xenophobic comments they make and the subconscious racism and the subconscious Islamophobia, then the more they'll realize. And it's about education. And the more they learn, I'm sure if you sat down with Gary Lineker and spoke to him and gave sort of the aspects from your point of view, you know, he'll understand they're educated people. And if they don't, then they're nasty. You know, they're a nasty person. You know, I'm not calling any of them nasty. You know, I'm, I'm calling them sort of subconscious to be more aware. That's what we're asking for. It's, you know, ed- it's, it's, it's education. You're absolutely it's, it's, right. It's absolutely it's education. about education. Um, but yeah, we didn't want this, um, show to end up on such a serious and sensitive topic, but some things do uh, require sort of a bit of, you know, uh, seriousness attached to it. And uh, I applaud Pete for whatever he said as well. As a lot of people have said oh, in the chat, it, it, yeah, it you know, it's about it shining a light, isn't it? It's about shining a light on a very, very sensitive issue and just having your say on it and just calling it out for what it is. Exactly. Mm, when the media stops reporting, for example, uh, Raheem Sterling, a player like Raheem Sterling blows... 300,000 on uh, on an expensive house and the next week or four weeks later talks about how Stephen the lovely Stephen Gerrard just just uh, just spent as a gift 300,000 euros to buy a house for his family it's things like that it's li- when a black player spends money he's blowing it he's being flash how dare that up the n word which i won't use blow that cash it's obscene to see him with that when a white player spends money it's an investment and it's yeah. it's about family it's things like that that you don't, and Grizz talks about education. That's that's where the education starts. People nowadays are being educated by the media, so automatically they think when a black player 
rolls up in a car, he splashed out 80 grand on a Bentley. When a white player walks up, uh, drives up in a car, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's earned that. You know, he's earned that with, with his smarts and his hard work. Yeah. You know, they're both on the same money. This is the part This is the part that makes me want to vomit, to be honest with you. And this is the part that the media play to. Yeah, there is. It's, it's all over the place, isn't it? But look, lads, we'll finish it up there. We won't keep going on because I know it's a subject that it's very sensitive and it's something that I know some, I know Pete's very uh, passionate about and I know Grizz as well. Chris, I'm not giving you the right to reply on this one because you've got a little delay there and it'll probably take us till about half an <laughs> But hell and ever. I just want to... Has to defend defend where he's from. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Nah, not at all, Chris. Not at all. We're only joking. We're only joking. (laughs) But we've run over the the time tonight. But look, again, I want to remind everyone, Grizz's show starting tomorrow, Carnage. He has rants, rants and bants on there. That's only one person. Uh, It will be a belter. It will be a banger. Look out for it. Grizz is going to be... uh, just going to be delivering the usual Grizz can yeah, magic. 100%, 100%. Just just tune in tomorrow and see what it's all about. If you like it, stay. If you don't, piss off. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't have put us out bluntly, but yeah, I agree 100%. But we will we'll leave it at that. Listen, um, Chris, thanks very much for joining us tonight. I'll give him a second till this goes through. Cheers, off me, mate. <laughs> There we are. No problem at all. Pete, a pleasure. Yeah, Always a pleasure having you come from sunny Catalonia. Sorry for making it all dark and serious. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. We have to talk about these things. And, then, and, and, and can I just reiterate, please, everybody tune into Grizz's show tomorrow night. It's going to be banging. I mean, seriously, this guy, you just don't know. I'm talking about you like, and I hear Grizz. You just don't know what he's, what's going to come out of his mouth next. It's going to be pure entertainment. <laughs> I don't know what's oh, going to come out of my mouth. That's the, that's the beauty of it. <laughs> that's the magic. That's the magic. And Grizz Khan, as always, buddy, a pleasure. Thank nice you one. very much nice for him. And good luck. Good luck tomorrow with the show, Grizz. I'll be chilling yes, in Top man. like everyone else will. So, um, yeah, listen, we've been the Day Trippers. This has been the Midweek Fix. Again, we hope you have enjoyed it. And we again, we'll be back tomorrow with Grizz's new show. Join us for that. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Harvard Business School Online offers professional certificate courses that are 100% online and can be completed on your own time. Discover how HBS Online can help you take the next step in your career and try a free business lesson today at hbsonline.info. Sports Social Podcast Network.